Go into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall, thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass you round about and keep you in on every side. And they shall lay you even with the ground and your children within you and they shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. Amen. And everybody shout amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I appreciate the fact that when I come to this pulpit, I don't feel any pressure from your leadership to perform in any particular manner. And I appreciate the fact that they give me the liberty to obey the Holy Ghost. That is a great, great treasure that uh, I definitely and sincerely appreciate. And so tonight, I know it's Tuesday night, typical Bible study night. I don't know, you know, how this is going to unfold, but I do believe that God wants to talk to us. And I do believe that in every, every time we come together, it is the will of God that we move from where we are to a new place in him. I do not believe that God wants his church to be, to be static. I don't think he wants us to be stale. I don't think he wants us to be paralyzed. But I believe God wants his church to be moving. In fact, when we note the very story of creation, we find that everything that he made, he made it with the power to grow. It made it with the power to reproduce. And that's exactly how he made his church. He made his church with the power to reproduce, to move forward and to grow. But what we note in this particular passage of Scripture tonight is that uh, this is what is commonly referred to as Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is where he sends his disciples to the village and he commands them that when they find a, a colt tied, that they would loose him, they would bring him 
back to Jesus. And of course, it would be upon that colt that he would ride into Jerusalem. And so we read to you that they brought that colt to Jesus. And then the people began to respond. The people began to react. And the word of the Lord said, they cast their garments upon the colt. And then they sat, there, sat Jesus thereon. And then as he began to move forward toward Jerusalem, then they spread their clothes in the way. So there is already a movement on the part of the people toward Jesus. And there is an effort uh, to show respect and to show honor to him as he is making his journey. I have no doubt that uh, most of them probably had no idea uh, the significance of this journey, the significance of this trip into Jerusalem. However, uh, something in them caused them to want to do something that was respectful and that was honorable to Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in verse 37 that when he was nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. Notice the wording of the scripture. The whole multitude of the disciples. Everybody that was in that crowd began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so what we note here is a spontaneous uh, response and a spontaneous praise that begins to usher forth from this crowd. There obviously, by the reading of Scripture, uh, there was no praise leader here. And uh, there was no cheerleader in the crowd. It just seems like that the entire crowd with just a spontaneous effort on their part began to lift their voice and magnify him. I notice the two driving forces behind uh, their praise. According to what we just read, uh, they praised him for who he was. Amen. They praised him for who he was. I really don't need a greater motivation tonight to praise my God than just the fact that I have a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. Amen. I need nothing else to drive me. I need nothing else to remind me that he is worthy of my praise that the God I serve is above all and through all and in all, that the God we serve is high, lifted up, sets upon the throne, and he is the God that his train fills the temple. I'm telling you tonight that you and I deserve, or he deserves the praise that we offer to him based solely upon one reason. If you don't feel good, he's still God. If you had a battle today, he's still God. If you're struggling in life, he's still God. If you're trying to find your way, he's still God. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise that God tonight. 
I am convinced that if there's anybody in the world that ought to have a ready praise in their heart, a spontaneous praise in their heart, it's the people that have a revelation of who God is. We're not confused tonight about the God we serve. We understand by the word of the Lord that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. We understand that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and that same word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We believe tonight that there are three that bear record in heaven. The, 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 the spirit, the word, oh hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place and I feel like God wants us to be able to praise him both solely upon one reason and one reason only that we know who Jesus is. We have a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's none like him. There's none before him and there's not gonna be any after him. He said, I, even I am the Lord and beside me there is no savior. We've got a reason to praise him tonight. We've got a reason to worship him because we know who Jesus is. There was another motivation for their praise. It tells us that they praised him for all the mighty works that they had seen. So they praised him for what he had done. Oh, hallelujah. And when I look around here tonight, we're blessed. Amen. The Lord has brought some of us from a mighty, mighty long ways. The psalmist said he picked me up out of the miry pit. He put my feet upon a solid rock. He put a song in my heart. He established my goings. He's given me joy that the world couldn't give to me. He's given me peace that life couldn't give to me. Oh, hallelujah. Can I say tonight that none of us have a right to sit on our hands. None of us have a right to sit in the corner and not praise our God. He's done so much for us. Our God's been too good to us. Hallelujah. He brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, hallelujah. The song said, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm telling you, I don't care where you come from. If you come from drugs, he did great things for you. If you come from a life of alcoholism, he's been good to you. And if you've never touched alcohol and you've never touched drugs and you've always been in the church, he's been good to you. Hallelujah. I like the statement that the whole multitude, everybody, everybody in the crowd, there wasn't nobody standing on the sidelines. All the disciples were, were, were praising him. 
Now we notice also that in the midst of all of that praise, in the midst of those loud voices that were uh, lifting up in a crescendo of worship, that there were some Pharisees. They were not his disciples, but there were some Pharisees that said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. In another place, they said it on this wise. It's rendered that statement on this wise. Make them be quiet. But Jesus said, I'm telling you that if these hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So what Jesus was letting them know, it doesn't matter whether we quieten this crowd or not, there's still going to be something that's going to lift up its voice in praise unto the God that created this world. The stones would immediately cry out. Well, I got news for you tonight. I made my mind up a long time ago. Ain't no rock going to take my place. Come on, I said, ain't no rock gonna take my place. I'm gonna praise him. No rock is gonna take my voice. No rock is gonna be a substitute for my worship unto him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I refuse to let an inanimate object take the place of my animated praise. I got a praise in my heart and I got to let it out. Something down inside of my spirit says you can't keep quiet when Jesus is around. You can't keep quiet when Jesus shows up. And so he made it clear, something's going to praise me. Now, here's what I want you to see in verse number 41. It said, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. Now, you think about this. He's in a crowd and there's people crying, Hosanna. He's in the crowd and they're saying, blessed be the king that cometh. In the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It's not just a, a low rumble, but it's a loud praise. It's a praise that is engulfing the seven hills of Judea where the city of Jerusalem is built. I have a feeling that that praise was ringing all through the valleys and across the hills. It was a mighty praise that was being lifted up. And in the midst of all of that praise, in the midst of all of that worship, Jesus, as he comes near and is able to see the city of Jerusalem across the valley, the Bible said he begins to weep over that city. Amen. That, 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 that troubled me when I read that. It troubled me when I realized that that it was in the middle of a worship service. It was in the middle of a time whenever people were magnifying, people were glorifying and giving him just praise and rightful praise that tears began to trickle down the face of Jesus Christ. And he started weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And he said, if you had known even you, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. 
And so here he is with all the praise going on around him, and yet he's looking, and he sees a city and realizes that there's some that get it, and there's some that don't. Amen. Some get it, and some don't get it. When he shows up, there was praise taking place. Wherever he went, blinded eyes were open and deaf ears were unstopped. Amen. People began to hear. When lame began to walk, the lepers were cleansed. The dead were raised. Great things were accomplished because they had faith in Jesus Christ. They had confidence in him. And when he showed up, they ran to him to get their needs supplied. They ran to him to have their miracle performed. However, Jesus is trying to look at a city. He's hearing all the worship. And he's saying, if you had just known, somehow you didn't get it. Somehow you missed it whenever you had your opportunity, when you had your chance. And I'm telling you tonight, I wonder how many times in the middle of a powerful worship service when the glory of God is filling the house and people are getting the Holy Ghost and lives are being touched and deliverance is coming. People are getting the victory. Things are happening that only the Spirit can do. How many times does God weep because he looks around and sees that there's those that just don't get it. Can I preach to you tonight? Come on, can I obey the Holy Ghost here tonight? They just don't get it. Somehow they miss it. Somehow they don't grasp it. Amen. I've been to services and I've watched when the power of God was falling. I've looked around the crowd and I've seen people that were trembling under the power of the Holy Ghost. The presence of God was saturating them as they reached up and as they touched the throne of God with their praise. And God responded to them with a glorious blessing. And standing six inches from them is an individual that is completely unmoved and unaffected. Nothing is happening to them. Nothing is going on in their life. And I wonder how many tears God sheds because he's looking at them saying, if you just knew what you could have, if you just knew what you could possess, if you just knew what could be yours, it's available. Oh, hallelujah. It's not the, the problem's not the storehouse. The problem is not God's power and God's glory and God's ability. The problem sometimes is our effort at reaching out to him and saying, whatever it is, God, I got to have it. If you're in the house tonight, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift my voice. And if you're here to bless, I want to be one of those to be blessed. If you're here to strengthen, I want to be one of those to be strengthened tonight in the Holy Ghost. In other words, when I go to the house of God, I want to get it. I said, I want to get it. Whatever God's doing, I want to get it. Whatever God's saying, I want to get it. Whatever the preacher's preaching, I want to get it. And so I had to ask the question, why didn't they get it? Why did they miss out on the things that they could have had? Why did it somehow escape them? 
and they never got it. Got to looking and reading and studying and began to realize that they had a problem. You will notice Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll notice even in Acts throughout the epistles, many, many times you will notice the Jews as they are quoting Moses. They're reaching back to the law. They're reaching back to a previous era of time. And they're hanging on to it. Amen. And they're trying to somehow protect the past. Hallelujah. I said they're trying to protect the past. I believe that John 9, well, well there's a, a number of verses that would bear this out. I believe John 9, 28 and 29 encapsulates their attitude toward Jesus Christ. Verse 28 said, then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, talking about talking to a blind man. They reviled a blind man that Jesus healed. And they said to him, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't know from whence he is. And so what you have here throughout uh, the Gospels when Jesus was ministering and then the, the, the same problem, the church encountered it. The church had to deal with, the ministry of that time had to deal with these people that wanted to hang on to Moses and not move forward into the new dimension and the new realm that God had brought his people into. And so what you really notice here in these scriptures, what you see whenever you realize that they were, that they were so focused on Moses, it was that which caused them to miss out completely because they couldn't believe in Jesus Christ. They could not embrace him, even though the writer of Hebrews makes the statement, God, in verse 1 in chapter 1, in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. In other words, there was a time that God spoke through the prophets. But now in these last days, he's speaking to us by his son. Then I note in Matthew 3 and 17, a voice from heaven came when Jesus was baptized saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it goes a step further when you get to Matthew 17 and 4 when they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's make a tabernacle, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elias. And the Spirit of God spake and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And so the commandment was, I want you to hear him. I want you to hear his voice. You've heard Elijah's voice. You've heard the prophet's voice. You've heard Moses' voice. But I'm speaking to you now in this current time by the voice of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going somewhere. Just ride with me for a few minutes. They had a problem with Jesus. Somebody shout amen. I said the Jews had a problem with Jesus. They knew the voice of Moses, but they didn't know and couldn't hear the voice of Jesus Christ. 
They even said in John chapter 8, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It's my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said, you're not even 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said, verily I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. And they took up stones to kill Jesus Christ, to cast at him. But he hid himself and went out through the midst of them and passed by. On another occasion, they took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered and said, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. Because thou being a man, makest thyself God. Amen. It wasn't the way it was at all whatsoever. It wasn't him being man making himself God. It was God who had made himself man. Woo, hallelujah. And they didn't even understand who he was. And they couldn't embrace him. So here's the problem. When you get to Luke chapter 19, and the reason why Jesus wept is because these disciples of Moses were so caught up in the voice of Moses. They were so wrapped up in the past, and they did everything they could to protect the past. In so much that they missed the present and they lost their future. Amen. I'm preaching a few minutes here tonight on the price of protecting the past. Hallelujah. The price of protecting the past. Amen. The price of protecting the past is this. When you protect the past, you miss the present and you lose the future. Huh? Amen. They were so caught up in Moses that Jesus had to say to them, if you had only known in this thy day the things which belong to your peace, but now they're hid from you. You could have had some things in the present. You could have had some miracles. You could have had some great things happen among you, but now they are hid from you, so you've lost the present. You missed what I brought to you. But that's not all. The days are going to come that your enemies are going to cast a trench about you. They're going to come pass you around and keep you in on every side. They're going to lay you even with the ground. Your children within thee and you shall not, they shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. Amen. In other words, Jesus told them, you missed the present for what you could have had, and I'm prophesying to you about your future. You're going to lose your future. You're not just going to lose your city. You're going to lose yourself, and you're going to lose your children in the future. I want to tell you tonight, church, it's a dangerous thing when we get so caught up in the past that we miss the present of what God is trying to do. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God for everything he's ever done for me in the past, but I can't live in the past. I can't live in days gone by. I can't live in what's already happened. Yeah. 
Amen. When Elijah, when it was time for Elijah to be caught up, when it was time for him to be carried away, amen, the Bible talks about how that he told Elisha, he said, Elisha, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've just got to tell you here, he said, he said, I'm, we're, we're right here. In fact, verse 1 of chapter 2 of 2 Kings, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, pray here. Terry, here I pray you. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Now you've got to recognize what's going on here. You've got the prophet of God who is the voice of the past and God is about to take him away in a whirlwind. And there's a new man about to take his position. And the Bible tells us that the old prophet looks at Elisha while they're in Gilgal and says, remain here. I'm going to Bethel. The Lord has called me to Bethel. And I can see Elisha as he starts considering Gilgal. What did Gilgal represent? Gilgal was a place where they had set the stones up in the midst of the river and another set outside the river to remind the people of Israel that this was where God brought us across into the land of Canaan. It was a memorial. It was a memorial of the past and what God did. And I can see Elisha saying, I'm not interested in hanging around a stone memorial of what God did for Israel hundreds of years ago. I'm going wherever you go, Elijah. I don't know where you're going or what God's plans are, but wherever you go, I'm following you. Amen. So they get to Bethel. When they get to Bethel, Elijah says to Elisha, he said, now look, the Lord is calling me to Jericho. He said, so you stay here at Bethel. And I can see, again, Elisha, he's looking at Jericho, or he's looking at, at Bethel, and he's saying, I think this was the place where Jacob saw a ladder set upon the earth that reached to heaven. And angels ascending and descending and God giving him some promises. Amen. He said, but you know what? I don't think I'm going to hang around Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder's not going to do much for me. I can't stay here. And so they get to Jericho and again, he says, I want you to remain here in Jericho. The Lord, amen, has sent me across the river of Jordan. When he gets to Jericho, uh, he says, I'm going on. And, and, and Elisha said, wherever you go, I'm going. Because I remember this happens to be the place where they marched around the walls six times, one time a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. And God gave them great victory. And so I see it as, I see it as Joshua's victory. I see it as a memory of what God did from the past. But I can't be happy with Gilgal. And I can't be happy with Bethel. And I cannot be happy with Jericho. Hallelujah. They get on the other side of Jericho and Elijah finally stir, turns and says to Elisha, what is it you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Hallelujah. I'm not leaving you until I get my own experience, till I get my own walk, till I get my, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Come on, I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what position you hold in the kingdom of God. I got to tell you, you got to reach for a present day current touch of God. A present day visitation of the Holy Ghost in your life. My, my, my. Amen. You got to have it. I said you got to have it. You can't be content. Young people, listen to this preacher this tonight. You can't be content with your mama's walk. You can't be settled with your daddy's relationship with God. Oh, glory to God. Every young person in this house, you got to get it for yourself. You can't just hang around saying, I remember what God did 10 years ago. Or I remember some of us sometimes, if we're not careful, we get to thinking about what God did 40 years ago. We think that's so much greater than what God's doing right now. I got news for you. In 2020, the Lord is saying, I want to do a new work. I want to do great things. I don't want you to be so caught up in the past. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more that the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Woo, hallelujah. What is Paul trying to tell them of that time? He's trying to tell them, hey, I, I want to help you understand something. That God never ordained that we would go from glory to deadness, from glory to the loss of the glory. The will of God is that the church always be going from glory to glory. Oh, hallelujah. The ministry of Moses was a glorious ministry. But when Jesus showed up, it was to be a much more glorious. Huh? Can I just talk to FPC for a couple of minutes here tonight? Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. This man right here I have great admiration for and high respect. Amen. He and I have already talked about these things, not on this trip, but at other occasions. So I feel a complete liberty to say this without offending him at all whatsoever. In fact, I think you'll find him supporting what I'm about to say. Hallelujah. Thank God this church is, I asked pastor when the church service started tonight, how old is this church? It's 77 years old. It has a long, long history. And it, without a doubt, God has been good to First Pentecostal Church. Without, oh, glory to God. I said, without a doubt, God has been good. The roots of this church, the foundation of this church, 
revival that this church has experienced through the years and the fact that going out of this church, amen, it's many, many people, that many preachers that are preaching all over the world tonight coming from this place. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what some of us, what, what some of our problem is sometimes. We start protecting the past. Can I preach to you? I said we start protecting the past. And when we start protecting the past, we miss the present. Because I'm telling you, this is not 19, what, 43? Amen. This is not 1943. This is 2020. This is not even 1990. It's 2020. It's not even 2000, the year 2000. We're 20 years beyond that time. What are you trying to say for the best? I'm trying to say that this man in his wisdom, this man in his spiritual understanding realized that God has been good to us and I don't want the glory to stop. I don't want the glory to be diminished. I don't want the glory, I want the glory to persevere. Come on. It's not the will of God that the church go from victory to defeat. But the will of God is from glory to glory. From victory to victory. From revival to revival. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands and praise him right now. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. If we're not careful, we get to thinking about yesterday. And we start, we, we start remembering things that sometimes our memory is not really a reality. Huh? I said, sometimes my memory's not a, not a reality. I remember just recently in Ocala, you can be seated. I was back at home in the city of Ocala and for a few, very few short days, and I decided to take a trip over to the other side of town where our old church was located, where we had across the street from the church, we had a, in a, 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 a parsonage. And right beside the parsonage was this huge, gigantic field. The reason why I know it was huge and gigantic is because at 12 years old, I got out there with a push lawnmower and mowed that field. We played softball in that field. We played all kinds of games in that field. That was part of the church parking lot uh, when Sunday rolled around and people showed up for church. They would fill the field up with cars. And what I'm trying to tell you is that as a child, I mowed that field. I mowed the churchyard out there one time a week. That was a great big field. And when I walked, when I drove by the other day, I looked over there and I said, Who shrunk the field? Who shrunk the field? It looked like that I could take six big steps all the way across it and wouldn't, and wouldn't have any problem getting there in just a few seconds time. Amen, because my memory was not a reality. 
And sometime, if we're not careful, we start harboring things of the past in our mind and we start saying, oh, I wish it was like yesterday or I wish it was like it was 40 years ago. I got news for you, friend. When I came in the church, we had an accordion for music. Amen. Maybe a tambourine with most of the rings are out of it. Amen. We had, we, my daddy was the drummer and the only, the only drums he had was the, was the top of the pulpit. That's how he kept time. That's how everybody... We did finally get an upright piano that stayed out of tune half the time. You think I want to go back to that? I got news for you, friend. I got no desire. I don't live in yesterday. I don't live in what once was. I don't live in what has been. But something inside me says you're working today. You're working now. Hallelujah. You need to thank God that the Lord is saying to his church, I want you to go from glory to glory. Amen. I preached, thank God. I said, I preached here now for a few years. And I can tell you, Bakersfield's not going down, it's going up. It's not losing ground, it's gaining ground. It's not losing revival, it's gaining revival. What are you trying to preach? I'm trying to preach, get on board. I said, get on board. Don't protect the past to the detriment of the present and the loss of the future. Whew, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My, 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 my. I feel Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. You see, Paul talking about this whole business from glory to glory, he goes down, and we use this verse. I'm in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm in that same chapter where he talks about from glory to glory. And, and then he gets to verse 17. He says, now the Lord is that spirit. We use that verse to promote worship and, and, and the move of the Holy Ghost in a service, and, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, but really, this is Paul's culmination. This is his final words. He's talking about all that that they used to have. He said, but now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, you didn't have this liberty under Moses, but you got this liberty today. What God is wanting the church to understand is that we can work, walk in greater measures of liberty. We can walk in greater measures of freedom. We can find ourselves with deliverance power such as we have never seen before. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. And before you look up here at this white-haired gentleman, Lord, I wish my hair was pretty as his. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to get him to give a bigger offering this weekend so my check will be bigger. But anyway, it's probably not going to work. He told me the other night, well, it was the last time I was here, he said, give a big offering so your check or, or so your offering will be bigger. I said, that used to work years ago, but it don't work anymore. Forgive me, I'm getting off track here. But before you look up here and say, boy, I wish Elder Frost was still my pastor, you need to realize that God is carrying the church from glory to glory.
I'm not diminishing his ministry, a glorious ministry, but God says, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. This was glorious, but it's gonna be more glorious. Woo, come on. I refuse to protect the past to the loss of the present and the loss of the future. I said, come on, let's move forward. Let's go forward. Let's see what God wants to do. Glory to God. The Jews could not accept that Jesus had fulfilled the law and the prophets. Amen. Let's, let's take a look at something here tonight. And I'm trying to hurry. Let's take a look at something. The tabernacle in the wilderness. It was just a badger skin tent. There was nothing beautiful about it. The beauty was on the inside. Externally, it had no attraction whatsoever. But it had what they called silver sockets, which was the foundation of that tent. Silver in scripture represents redemption. Jesus was, re was betrayed with 20 pieces of silver or 30 pieces of silver. Lord have mercy. Where did I get the 20 from? He was betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. I'm trying to cheapen his betrayal, my Lord. Amen. But silver represents redemption. So the tabernacle in the wilderness, it was a house of redemption. The foundation of that house was redemption. It was the house that God would use through which he would communicate to men. And it was there that men's sins were rolled ahead for another year. What a house. It was a method. It was a method. But the message was redemption. Glory to God. That was God's method of that time, but the message of that house was redemption. In due process of time, David had a vision, passed that vision off, and the plans to his son Solomon. Solomon built a magnificent structure, beauty, beauty personified. Amen. It was in the, that temple was a glorious house. Probably could not even be duplicated today because of the cost involved in the structure and how it was built and all the overlay of gold. I don't really know uh, how, how what, the, what the exact cost would be, but probably an incredible figure in today's money. Amen. A glorious structure, but it was the same type of message because the, the furniture of that house in the wilderness was moved to the house that Solomon built. It was the laver of water. It was the altar burnt offering. It was the golden candlestick. It was the table of shoe bread. It was uh, the altar of incense and the ark of the covenant. All the furniture of the house that Moses built was moved into the house that Solomon built. It was a different method, but the message was the same. Redemption. Amen. Redemption. This is the way men are going to have a relationship with God. Jesus Christ comes. And as I have already quoted tonight, verse 14 of John chapter 1, when he said that, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld us what? His glory. 
The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Earlier or later in that same book of John, it is stated there, amen, that, 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 that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus' words were this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. They had the tabernacle where the glory of God was. They had the temple where the glory of God was. And now they had the body of Jesus Christ where the same glory resided. A different method, but the message was the same. I said a different method, but the message was the same. You see what our problem sometimes is? Our problem is the methodology. When it changes, we want to protect the method of the past. I said we want to protect the method of the past. How we used to have church. Oh, I wish we sang them old songs. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I got news for you. There's some of those old songs 40, 50 years ago I didn't like then. <laughs> Hallelujah. We used to sing an old song that had to have been written back in the Depression. It, that old song they sung, I can't tell you how many times they sung it. Living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. And I look out the window, we got cars in the parking lot. We got food on the table. We got everything we need houses to live in. And I'm thinking, why in the world are we singing that song? It ain't even true anymore. It might have been true back in the Depression, but it ain't true now. Huh? Amen. I could I could reel off a whole list of songs. I didn't I started preaching this past January it was 50 years ago. And there were things sung back then. I'm thinking hey, it was like a face plant every time it was sung. I'm thinking, no, don't sing that song. Have mercy that don't have I don't have a lick of meaning to it. Huh? Amen. So there's some stuff I don't care anything about from 50 years ago. I was 16 years old when I started. Amen. My point being simply that, that sometimes we get so caught up in protecting the past. We want to protect the old songs. And we want to, well, glory to God. Help me, Jesus, right now. I'm in trouble. Amen. Now, you're going to forgive me whenever I say this, I'm, I'm sure. But I was, in a, I was in a service some time back. I won't tell you where, between here and the East Coast and between the Canadian border and, 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 and the Mexican border. All right? And so that gives you an idea of where it was. I was in a service where a man got up and said, bless God, we're apostolic. We still sing out of the songbook. And I got the songbook and got to looking at it, and I started seeing all these songs written by all these Trinitarian writers. Huh? And I'm saying, for heaven's sakes, why are we glorifying the songbook? It's not whether or not the song is sung out of the songbook. It's whether or not the song is giving glory to God. It's whether or not the song is praising him. Hallelujah. Someone said, but I can't stand these repetitive songs. It's like a, it's like a 7-11. Seven words sung 11 times. 
Amen. That's, that's, that, 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 that's their thought. That's their process. I grew up with them singing songs like this. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. That's repetitive to me. To me, sound like to me. That's repetitive three times in a row at least. Amen. And, I, and I, there's some of those songs I like. Please don't misunderstand this preacher. I'm trying to drive home a point tonight that when we get so caught up in trying to protect the past we miss the present when God is wanting to do something today 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 in this hour right now right now oh hallelujah when he had spoken these things, the Bible said they beheld. He was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly into heaven as he went up, two men stood by them saying, you men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? You know what those disciples were doing? They were trying to hang on to yesterday. There's Jesus, the miracle worker, the one that opened up blinded eyes, the one that raised the dead. And they've totally forgot the fact that he said, listen, I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. Amen. You see, there's one thing to have the with you ministry and another thing to have the in you ministry. And as long as he was with them, they, they could have the with you ministry, but they could never have the in you ministry. To get the in you ministry, he had to leave. And their problem was they were looking into heaven. They were wishing, come on back, come on back. Don't leave us now. And he's saying, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Come on. Amen. This thing's going to get inside of you. You're going to have the power. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast. Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I don't know that I'm preaching this tonight because this is a major problem here at, at First Pentecostal Church, but I am preaching it to warn us that one of the most dangerous places we can get in is to get to such an age as a church that we forget that God is real today. Huh? Amen. That we get comfortable where we are got a pretty good church. We got a pretty good crowd. Huh? We got some nice buildings. Amen. You're the envy of a lot of people around Pentecost. You've got beautiful structures and lots of things going on. That's wonderful. But you can't get comfortable. Huh? You see, I determined, I have determined as an elder, and I'm still struggling with that term, but I'm coming to terms with it. Amen. My wife says, go back and look in the mirror, honey. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Amen. But I determined that as an elder, I am not going to go down the path of protecting the past and missing the present and losing the future. And there's a reason why. Because I know what it's like as a young preacher to be called charismatic because I was given home Bible studies. Amen. I remember 
there's a young preacher being told because I preached revival that they looked at me and said, we don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're doing. We don't know what your plans are. I said, well, just, just come on down to Ocala. Hang out a while and you'll find out that I don't want to have revival at the expense of separation. I don't want to have revival at the expense of holiness because I don't even believe you can have revival outside of those areas that are so necessary because I became convinced a long time ago that when I studied the tabernacle the glory of God resided in the separated place God's spirit was everywhere but the glory was in the separated place and I still believe that's where God's spirit dwells in the holy glory of God amen but I got talked about I got run down because I wanted to win souls and because I started changing some methodology, but my message was the same. I preached the same thing my daddy preached. My daddy preached repentance, and he preached what about, let me, take, let me just tell you something. Don't worry about the methodology. Just be concerned. If the message is the same, get on board. It's that same message that brings revival. It's that same message that puts people in the altar. It's that same message that brings the glory of God to the house. I don't know about all these LED lights. Well, I do. I like them. Now I don't have to pray in here in the dark. Amen. You see, sometimes we just start nitpicking at little things because it don't match the past, the model of the past, the previous methods. I got to quit because I'm losing some of y'all. Amen. Things change. Am I right? It changes from glory to glory. How many of y'all got one of these? Hold it up. Come on, hold it up. Let me see. Hold, it, hold, one, hold it up. Some of y'all been holding it the whole entire service. <laughs> Woo, preach on with the best. Now you got, now you quit preaching and went to meddling. Huh? Amen. It don't buzz and it don't even rattle, but you still got to touch it to make sure that there ain't a new text message come through. Nobody sent you an email. You just keep checking it. Something about it, you got to get that fixed. So you're holding it. 